Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Paul Lewis, CMO at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as he explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Welcome. Today, we're kicking off another episode of Rethink Retail. My guest today is Ali Egan, who's the president and CEO at Cynthia Rowley, a New York-based global fashion and lifestyle brand. Before leading Cynthia Rowley, Ali held global roles with esteemed brands like La Mer and Clinique specializing in areas spanning product marketing, e-commerce, and consumer engagement. Ali, tell us a little bit more about your background and your, your current role. Well, yeah. Hi, Paul. First of all, thank you so much for having me. So I actually began my career in finance, so investment banking and uh, all that that entails. And, and then that led me to a role in consumer retail investing, where I worked with promising small, high growth companies across the consumer retail industry. You know, really loved that experience, but felt much more passion behind building a brand myself and being more on the operational side. And so shifted and began my career with Estee Lauder and, you know, worked across various roles within digital marketing product, et cetera, but found my way and uh, to Cynthia Rally, which, um, you know, is just so exciting because we have such an incredible brand. And now we are working diligently on shifting our model from what had been more of a wholesale licensing driven business to a direct consumer business with e-commerce being our number one channel, as well as our retail stores. Wow. That's really interesting. And so that changed from going to direct to consumer and your e-commerce being your sort of your number one store. Has there been any unexpected challenges or what have been some of the challenges in making that shift? Yeah, I mean, I think the main challenge and, and uh, companies are facing this all across the board is, is now we have to be the tellers of our own story, right? Where in the past and especially in apparel that that was always done by, you know, the, the retailer, the Neiman Marcus's, the, the Nordstrom's of the world. And really that isn't enough, but the good thing for, for brands like, like our brand, where we have a real distinctive point of view is we're not short on the ability to tell stories and to connect with our customers. That being said, uh, you know, internally, obviously that shifts from, you know, a, a sales driven organization to, you know, people who are focused on content creation and e-commerce and digital and what have you. And so there's definitely been a lot of moving pieces and will continue to be as, you know, as we evolve and stay nimble and, um, and ahead of the curve, hopefully, but all for the better and just help us to not only just make like beautiful product, but then to really um, connect with customers and sort of bring them into the, into the whole lifestyle. You know, we're, we're, we've built our brand on uh, what we call the perfect combination of pretty and sporty. And we find that that really helps empower women um, to lead their best active lives. And there's so many things to talk about there. So we're just, you know, taking every opportunity we can to, to tell those stories and connect with our customers and potential customers. Yeah, when you talk about connecting, and I, I love the discussion of e-commerce, but one of the things I was excited to have you on the show is that Cynthia Rowley has 
talked about this concept of nomadic retail. And yeah. I think it's really interesting how that might correspond with your e-commerce strategy. So to start with, tell us a little bit about how you define a nomadic leasing concept. Yeah, yeah. So we we thought what we were doing was different enough and that we needed to give it a different term, right? It's not just opening normal retail stores and, and to us it's not a pop-up strategy. Um, the whole idea is, you know, to put the customer first and be nimble and meet them where they are and really create a beautiful environment where we can, you know, meet more people. Um, and we needed to do that in the right context for us. So, you know, being realistic about our business, we are not a beauty brand or some other kind of companies where you can open a pop-up for a weekend and sell sell a bunch of products and, you know, get a big email list or what have you. But like, you know, we're selling beautiful, high quality dresses and that times is a longer term, you know, sale and cycle. And so for us, uh, the notion of doing a, a weekend pop-up just didn't help us serve any purpose. It doesn't help us necessarily drive sales in the moment, doesn't help us acquire customers for the long term for our e-commerce business. And so what we crafted was, you know, what we uh, to call nomadic retail. And that is based, you know, with the goal of acquiring customers either because they, you know, they don't know the brand at all or because they want, you know, it is their preference to kind of look and feel and experience the brand and the product before they purchase. And, and then from a business perspective, it is built off with the principle that we want to do everything in a test and learn sort of environment. So, you know, I know that's a, a buzzword these days, but really uh, where we can go and enter new markets for a relatively short-term commitment, call it like 12 to 24 months. But then if it's working and we really create the community environment that we're looking to, to have and those long-term customer relationships, that we intend to stay and have that flexibility. So, you know, we've done that in several of our locations so far, such as Palm Beach, um, and really, you know, have a connection there, which helps drive the you know, physical retail stores as well as our e-commerce business in those markets. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I had uh, Indochino on the show uh, recently, and they said, you know, sort of some similar things that it was really important to be able to test markets. It was important to the same sort of phrasing of reach customers where they are. Uh, and they talked a lot about yeah. using data to figure out um, you know, where to locate um, those, those stores. Right. Is, is that something that you do as well? Of course, of course. I think we can use data in several different ways. So we obviously look at our own e-commerce sales and see you know, where do we have traction in markets already so that if we come there, we you know, have a, a base of people to, to start to create that community. And then we also look at just more general market data. And we do this both for retail as well as for our general business is saying like, you know, anything from demographic census kind of data, as well as to uh, data on social, like where is our target consumer showing up in different areas that maybe we don't have, you know, our e-com sales wouldn't tell us you know, we should be in those kind of locations. 
but they're huge opportunities for us. So an example is our uh, our store in Northern California in Carmel, just south of San Francisco, where, you know, if you looked at all of our e-com data, it wouldn't say, oh, Carmel is the number one next market you should be in. But for us, it hits our target consumer. It has the coastal surf environment, so it allows us to speak to and address all areas of our brand, from you know our pretty dresses to our incredible wetsuits. And it's a, an amazing community. Uh, and so we've you know we just opened there, but already that's that's a great uh, location for us. So we definitely you know use data in multiple ways to triangulate and uh you know and and try to determine beforehand where the best places to go are and where we should be but you know then obviously uh analyzing our data um uh once we have a location to understand how we can um improve and grow the business you know once that data has helped you find the location you know one of the things you mentioned earlier was it was important to tell your own story and to connect and build connections uh, with consumers. I noted in a BRP consumer study that eight out of 10 customers thought that personalized service from a sales associate was an important factor in determining you know, where they shop. How do you approach that in your physical stores? What, what do you do to, to make that experience uh, exceptional for your consumers? Yeah, for sure. So for us, it's really about creating those personal relationships with each and every one of our customers, both online and as well as offline, especially offline. And, you know, you think about why, why do people come into stores today, right? Like they can get anything delivered. Um, they have all information, product information at their fingertips on their mobile phone, on their desktop, et cetera. And, you know, you look at where uh, physical retail is, is most sort of vibrant and interesting. And I think, you know, it has been in, in more experienced sort of led things such as boutique fitness, et cetera, where um, people are coming together for a purpose broader than just something transactional. And so we keep that at our heart. And, and you know, fundamentally, it's who we are as a brand. Um, I always joke with Cynthia and say that, you know, she's a host at heart. And the environment that we're trying to create in our stores is as if you're coming into um, you know, Cynthia's living room and you're welcome. It's, you know, it's like shopping with your best friend where our sales associates are there primarily to help people find the right style for them and just, you know, help them kind of navigate what's ever going on. So they train our managers to start all conversations, not about what product people are interested in, but like about getting to know the customer, what's going on in their day, what's on their mind, et cetera. So it's about building that relationship first and then, you know, dealing with specific products and sales issues. Yeah. And when you mention you know, building relationships and, and connecting and, and community, uh, one of the things that uh, Cynthia Rowley is known for is cultivating that sense of community with customers through events and your open studio concept. Can you tell me a little bit more on how you, you build a sense of, of community community with your audience? Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, of all, I guess I'll talk about the open studio because that's pretty new and, and pretty exciting. And I think, uh, you know, one of our core, you know, we're, we're, all, we're known for being innovative both in our, you know, product designs as well as I think our company um, from, from Nomadic Retail to now, um, what we've just piloted is our uh, open showroom. So we said, you know, we've changed our business to be, direct to consumer focus and, and less built on 
wholesale. And we have, you know, for us, it's still important to, uh, to work somewhat within the fashion calendar, um, as you know, showing ahead of season, and that's where we um, are able to connect with editors and really get um, buzz for a collection. Um, but we were, you know, doing our shows and then having a showroom that, you know, buyers came to for a couple weeks right after the show and then kind of is dormant. And we're like, that's not really, we want it to be much more open and transparent because I think that's what customers are sort of demanding from brands, especially, you know, luxury high end brands. They want to know what's going on, you know, how is stuff designed etc. And so we moved our uh, corporate offices about two months ago uh, down in Tribeca and we have uh, now our open showroom. So we can have both buyers as well as influencers and normal everyday customers come in and uh, and see everything from the upcoming collection that's not even available to sale to our currently available products and shop. And, and that really allows us to, I mean, myself and Cynthia, you know, sometimes are directly speaking to our customers, you know, in our place of business, and they can sort of see how the, the secret sauce is made at the same time. So that's a super um, exciting way that, you know, we're building community and will continue to do so. Um, and then in our stores, we have events all the time, and we try to customize them somewhat for, for the local market and, and what people would be interested in. But, you know, we're not trying to do things that are just flashy or sales driven, but really add value to people's lives. So an example of that is a collaboration we did uh, to make a, a mommy and me wetsuit with Maisonette. We did a mommy and me surf lesson at our store in Newport. And so that was hugely successful in really helping to teach our um, both of our current customers as well as our young future customers how to surf and be brave and get out there and be active. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll have also, you know, more serious events. We had um, a panel with an organization um, called The Chain in our Bleecker Street store that helps women in, in fashion and, and retail uh, dealing with um, eating disorders. And, and uh, that was like so impactful for, for me personally being there and, and hearing, um, you know, the, the issues that women are dealing with and that, um, you know, examples of that, like that are what we're trying to do more of to, to not only connect between the brand and the customers, but have, you know, our customers connect with one another. Yeah, I think leaning in on those types of issues and, and opportunities, uh, are important for so many brands today define their brand as their products. I think people need to understand that the brand is, is a bigger halo of that. It's, it's what you represent in the world. And so being able to go out there and demonstrate that and also interact uh, with your customers uh, in that in a meaningful way is really important to differentiate because I think that that's some of the challenges we're seeing with what I would call traditional or classic retail is it is very much the inventory uh, price mm -hmm. purchase uh, thing. And that is solved more elegantly online, right? If yeah, that's all exactly. a store delivers is the basic fundamentals of where we were 20 years ago, those stores I think are struggling today. I think you have to have that next level of um, community, of experience, of uh, personalization and service to really excel in today's environment. 
Yeah, I mean, you see, you definitely see that across the board. What I call it is like, you know, more merchant-driven businesses are dying. That doesn't mean merchandising isn't important, but it means that that's sort of the baseline expectations of customers that, you know, you'll have a, a assortment of categories that's of great product. Um, you know, that fits their, their need to walk away, but that's not what, you know, with all the choice that people have, you know, especially within the, the prestige luxury world, that there has to be something else there, you know, both from a, uh, you know, an in-store perspective as well, even just from a brand and having, we like to say, we use our customer data and market data and trends, but then you know, we really have a, a point of view and we, you can't be afraid of that as a brand to, you know, put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things you said earlier in the, the podcast was that e-commerce was a big factor for you, but we've also mm-hmm. talked about uh, the physical stores and the experiences. How do you blend that together? Do people typically start digitally with you and move online, uh, move to physical? Do they start in physical and move over? Is it sort of both ways? How do you how do you see that? And how do you see them working together? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you know both ways and and all about. I think you know in general, um, I always hear businesses quote that their omni-channel customers are are their most valuable customers, and of course that's true because it's someone who's just shopping with you more frequently, and you know we want that as well. But the truth is. A lot of, uh, you know, most of the time, those omni-channel customers are probably 10 to 20% of the business and they're, you know, everyone's most important customers. But I think it's also um, totally okay. And we were happy to have people that are online only or retail only. Uh, and that's, you know, just about us as an organization, um, you know, knowing our customers, keeping uh, that information on them and, and following up with them and clienteling with them and the way that works best for them, whether it's, you know, just getting them to click through on an email or text to see our latest styles or having their, you know, their personal store associate call them when something new is in, um, et cetera. So we try to, you know, run our business where we're not for, like force feeding the customer journey in a way that like technic you know, from a back end perspective looks better for our financials. Um, but in a way that like actually is how people uh wanna shop. That being said, um, you know, we've uh I think, you know, why retail has been important and, and will continue to be important for us is is there are definitely people, especially within um, you know, luxury who wanna touch and feel and see and experience that product and and try it on and kind of know um, know more about the brand and what we um, produce, and then they feel much more comfortable buying online after that. So we've seen, you know, both in markets where we've opened a nomadic store that that creates a big halo for our e-commerce business, as well as, you know, from some stores that we've sort of moved on from, we continue to have a more significant e-commerce presence there after we, uh, we leave. That's really interesting. I wonder, if some of the metrics, the classic metrics for measuring the success and the impact of a, a retail uh, store are starting to change. Because when you, you start to think about, especially in this nomadic concept of being in a location for a period of time, um, but then seeing that halo effect, maybe the metrics, I mean, clearly we still have dollars per square foot and things like that, but those aren't the only uh, metrics that, that need to be used because now it's not just are they buying in store, but are they becoming 
more brand loyal? Are they becoming more brand aware? And that that translates to later, you know, greater lifetime value. Do you, do you think about the, are the KPIs changing in your mind? Yes, a hundred percent. Right. Because um, it's no longer just about like for us, like we don't want to focus only on customer acquisition and, you know, number of customers acquired or whatever. Like we want to focus on long-term customer acquisition. And what we know for a fact is customers that, you know, come in through the retail channel and especially those who come in through the retail channel and then move to online, uh, they have a greater customer lifetime value over time. So it is worth our investment to open stores and, and potentially pay a higher upfront fee to to find people and connect with people in a way that they then feel, you know, in a relationship with the brand going forward and, and purchase with us more frequently in the future. And, and, you know, I think the challenge for any business leader is like, how do you, that sounds really great, but like, how do you actually measure that and to keep track of all those things? So, you know, operationally, we have to design our business to make sure we're doing that. And then I would say the other, you know, supporting factor that we've established is is being smart about nomadic or temporary or potentially temporary locations to to say we can make our payback just on this location, but that's not our true return on investment. So that's sort of how we've built our retail customer acquisition strategy. That makes a lot of sense. I always like to ask my guests if there are technologies that you feel are core today that you need to, to create that and to measure that or if there's some new technologies that you're starting to see that have caught your eye or interest, are there any technologies that Cynthia Rowley is using to kind of stitch all those different components together? Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's been our biggest focus on, on from a technology standpoint is on this more sort of behind the scenes stuff. So we can, you know, both understand our customers better and give them the best experience possible and not just investing in technology for um, technology's sake. Uh, and so, you know, more of our investment has been focused on sort of back-end analytics of making sure our store data ties to our, you know, our retail data uh, and that everything is accurate from a clienteling perspective. And that enables us to provide way more value to our customers because we know what they might be interested in, you know, even just like over time and we'll continue to get better at this, like know what their personal style is more like, you know, so we, we know that we have a really diverse customer base from like what we call like, you know, super high end fashionistas, like what you would think of as like quintessential like New York City woman to tons of really amazing loyal customers in markets such as Texas and North Carolina. And, you know, they're just as important, but they might, you know, tend to style something different. And so sending them content and, and things that is, is more relevant to them is sort of how we've focused our investment from a technology standpoint and not things like smart mirrors or, or, or dressing rooms or things that like are kind of cool and a little like, you know, uh, funky, but like don't really provide any long-term value to the customer. So in your mind, it's the technology is a bit in the background, making the uh, experience for your customer seamless and easy, but it, it's not necessarily the latest whiz-bang gizmos that are interesting maybe for technology sake, but aren't necessarily you know, moving the ball forward with, with your consumers. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, that's definitely specific to our brand. If I was running Apple retail, like I might think about that a bit differently. Um, but we'll, you know, how people, what people are coming to Cynthia rally for, it's not going to be like crazy fit finder things that, you know, don't help because it is 
an emotionally driven purchase. And so, you know, I think every business leader needs to be smart about, like, I like to say, you know, really on top of what all that stuff is, because I think, you know, the customer is, is evolving and will continue to evolve and we want to evolve along with it. Um, but being honest with yourself about like what, what customers are coming to you for and then what that means for, um, you know, what technology that they would be valuable um, to them and, and enhance their experience with the brand. Great. I think those are wonderful insights. Well, Ali, has been great talking with you today. Thank you for sharing some of your thoughts and, and wisdom on the space. I hope that we can connect in person in the near future. Yeah, no, that, thanks so much for having me. It was, it was great. I love talking about this stuff. So it's, it's always fun and looking forward to chatting again in the future. That sounds great. All right, take care. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.